Brothers, sisters, friends, welcome to this March 9th edition of Church Without Walls. Let's go to worship. Let's open up our hearts, our mouths. Let's lift our hands. Let's give God the glory. Amen? Worship. Starting off with an oldie but a goodie here. Let's go. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Oh, Lord.
Oh, come on, let's worship, worship, worship.
Don't get weary yet. Don't get weary yet, saints. Let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship. There is a fountain filled with blood. Yeah. 
is an oldie but a goodie but hey That celebration start celebrating now. Get up and dance. Come on. Get the great coronation. Gonna be held up here. They got the word. They got the word.
nation. Till I get there. Till I get there. Wait till I get there.
nothing, nothing but peace. Yes. Yes. Good time. Good time. Have a good time. Good time. Have a good time. Saints of God, we're going to go to one more song and then we're going to the Word of God. Before we go to the Word of God, we have a couple of quick announcements for you. First of all, just by way of public service, we want to remind everyone that um, daylight savings time, those of you living in the continental United States, um, although I believe Arizona exempts themselves from it. I'll correct me if I'm wrong, anyone listening from Arizona tonight, but Daylight savings time begins for the United States tonight, I believe, at 2 a.m. For those of you wondering, what is that? Yeah, these uh, uh, it's a weird thing. But tonight at 2 a.m., it will automatically become 3 a.m. You will be robbed of an hour. So don't forget before you go to bed to set your clocks ahead. You lose an hour for the spring, but you get it back in the fall. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, it is indeed super weird. Um, it will make the day seem longer, though, because the sun won't be going down till about 730, which is a nice thing for some. Um, beyond that, um, listen, those of you who are regular attenders here and would like to give, I'll post up the ways to give. Um, but not going to put too much emphasis on that right now. We'll talk about that again at the end. I'm continuing in our series looking at different um, parables of Jesus. We're going to be in Matthew 13 again tonight. We're going to start right about verse 44. So if you have your Bible, get it ready. Look for Matthew chapter 13, right about verse 30, right about verse 44. All right. Get your hearts ready. If you know anybody who needs a good word, my message tonight is going to be on the subject. Treasure and a pearl. So get your hearts ready. Let's go to one more song. Let's get the blood flowing. We're going to go down south style for this, have ourselves a little bit of a hootin' nanny, a little bit of a hoedown, a couple of good oldies. I saw the light, and I'll fly away. Let's worship, and then let's go to the word. Now listen. Listen here. That foot's got to start stomping and hands got to be clapping. It's going to encourage us all and get us all along the road a little bit further. This little song, I Saw the Light by Hank Lee and Singer. They got to get a little rowdy in this morning. Here we go. Woo-ha! 
I saw the light. I wondered so aimless, I feel the sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Yes, I did. And I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. We are just like a blind man, wander alone. Worries and fears I claim for my own. Then, like a blind man, we got you back inside. I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no Lama. sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light.
Hallelujah. Oh, man, praise the Lord. Glory to you, Father. Glory to you, Father. We love you. We worship you. We thank you tonight. Oh, God, we thank you that you've been with us through the worship. Now we invite you, Lord, to come. Enter into our hearts. Give us clarity, oh, God, of thought and mind. Father, I pray tonight that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, O God, that I may write upon the hearts, O God, of those who are listening. Father, that I may, Lord God, write upon the hearts, Lord God, of those who have come to hear your word. They've come to hear your truth. They've come with desire. They've come, Lord God. Some have come cast down. Some have come built up. Some have come, O God, seeking and knocking and asking, O God, but would you come? And invade our hearts. Your show right will now. go live Would in you five make seconds. Every four, heart in the house three, fertile two, ground, oh God. One. So that, Lord, we may live for you. So Not that, Lord, we may learn from you. So that, Lord, we may hear your word and be transformed forever today. This is only possible through the power of your Holy Spirit, by the blood that was shed at Calvary. And in the name of your great Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Well, saints of God, um, we've been in a series lately, and I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know if I'm going to do every single um, parable that Jesus ever taught. But I know that right now, God just, he spoke to me in first season. He said, you're going to teach on the parables. You're going to open because there are great secrets and great knowledge and great wisdom and and great keys to Christian living in these words of Jesus. And so I'm going to teach on the parables and we're continuing tonight my message. Treasure and a pearl. Treasure and a pearl. Follow me, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 13. We've been there for a while. We'll stay as long as God needs us to. We're going to start in verse 44. There, the word of the Lord declares. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like to treasure hid in a field. The which, when a man has found, he hides And for joy thereof, goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, if you're given to underlining in your Bible, please underline the fact that when he found it, he rehid it, and then he buys the field. Those last three words, he buys that field, are going to be important later. Verse 45, again. The kingdom of heaven is like to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. I want to talk to you tonight about this treasure. I want to talk to you tonight about the pearl. Let's look at these parables more closely. 
Remember again, both of these start with the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus, when he arrived on the scene, said to his disciples to tell people that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of heaven is here. Now, I know we sang that song, and yes, it is true. One day I will fly away. Oh, glory. But the kingdom of heaven is not something I just wait for. See, it's very interesting, uh, and I don't know why, I guess because the times are getting so dark. Conversations on social media about the rapture and debates over pre-trib and mid-trib and post-trib have amplified and, and, and whether or not rapture even exists. Well, the word rapture isn't used, but then again, Paul does say that the sounding of the trump and the twinkling of an eye, we will be translated. We won't be what we've been. We will all be caught up to meet him and all and so on and so forth. But can I tell you something? If you are not being raptured every day, you will not be raptured on that day. If you are not moving toward heaven every day, if you are not like Bunyan's favorite, you know, famous pilgrim, making progress day by day toward heaven, you will not suddenly find yourself there. See, we are saved. We have been saved. We were saved at Calvary. But we are day by day by day being saved and sanctified. And we're, giving, we're being saved from this sin and sanctified in this area. We're being transformed in another area every day. And one of the things that we are called to do as God's people is not just sit around waiting. Oh God, one day I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. No, no. Yes, we pass through some dark times. Yes, we will go through the slaw of despond. Yes, we will have darkness. We will have valleys and, and tough time. But we are meant to walk in the heavenly kingdom here. We have an advantage that the Hebrews of old did not have. See, they had the word and they had the law. At one point, they even had a pillar of fire by night and a cloud, of, a pillar of cloud by day to lead them and to guide them until the word came and then they had the word and the spirit would show up occasionally. God would visit his people. He would speak to prophets. He would speak to certain special ones, to judges and to prophets, as he spoke to Samuel, as he spoke to Deborah, as he spoke to Gideon and others. But we have been blessed in that God has given us his Holy Spirit to abide with us. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphaned. And so the kingdom of God is in us. The kingdom of God is in you and it's in me. And we are meant to bring the kingdom to earth. The reason why the world and the darkness and the Satanists and all the rest are so concentrated on getting rid of the Christian. They'll tolerate some of the others. They'll even embrace the Buddhist. They'll embrace 
Eastern religions of Buddhism and Hinduism and call it New Age. They'll embrace Islam. Though it contradicts their cries for greater freedom among women and greater freedom among the homosexual and greater freedom among the transgender. But they'll still embrace that. And yet, they will throw stones at the Christian. They will attempt to crucify the Christian. Why? Why? Because religion is not a problem for the unrighteous. Religion is not a problem for the lost. Religion is not even a problem for Satan himself. Religion doesn't scare them. In fact, think about it if you read your Bible carefully. When we come to the last days, when we come to the era of the great tribulation, when the Antichrist arrives, there will also be a false prophet that translates the people's following of Antichrist from a political to a religious movement. He will call on the people to worship this evil one and so worship and symbolism and ritual and keeping of days and and, and prayers and so on that's not a threat but the Christian is a threat to this and every generation because we have the ability to bring the kingdom of God to earth We have the ability. Yes, we are waiting. Yes, we are anxious. Yes, I am desperate to fly away. I love the way he put it in those words. I'm going to get, I'm not not going to need an airplane. I'm not going to get in an airplane going to Mississippi. I'm not going to get in an airplane going over to India or or, or China. I'm not going to be flying over to Australia. No, but I'm going to fly beyond the atmosphere, beyond the stratosphere, beyond the hemispheres. I'm going to fly beyond the stars and beyond space to a place called the third heaven, the abiding place of God. I'm going to walk up to the pearly gates and the gates will open because the blood of Jesus has covered me. And yes, I desire that day. But today, 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 while I may not be able to go to the third heaven today, while I may not be able to knock on the pearly gates today, while I may not be able to enter into the physical holy of holies that exist there today, in the spirit, I can be there today. In the spirit, I can abide in the most holy place today. And more powerfully, I can bring that most holy place. I can bring the presence of the living God. I can bring the abiding presence of Abba Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of the Ruach Kodesh, the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God into this world. We bring heaven to earth. And so like Jesus, we are able to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Indeed, the kingdom is among you. We are meant to be catalysts and we are meant to be changers of the environment. We are meant to be those who hold back the day of evil. We are those who break the chains of bondage and shatter the shackles. 
We have a melody that we sing in the midnight hour and we transform lives. We open the prison doors. We liberate the captive, resurrect the dead, both spiritually and physically. We open the blinded eye. We open the deaf ear. We declare the acceptable year of the Lord and hallelujah unto God every day. And so when Jesus says the King in, in the introduction to a parable, the kingdom of heaven is like. We ought to pay attention. We ought to underline that in our Bible and say, that's me right there. There's something for me right there. I abide in that kingdom. I'm an ambassador of that kingdom. I establish footholds of the glory of God. On this side of eternity. It's like an ambassador coming. Ambassador from the United States travels to another country. Let's say to Vietnam and sets up an embassy. When you walk into the U.S. Embassy in Vietnam, you're no longer in Vietnam. You've entered the United States of America. Here in the United States, I've gone with my wife, who's also a Colombian national. And I've gone with her to the Colombian Embassy in New York City. And you know what's interesting? I do not have Colombian citizenship. And when I walked into the embassy, I was allowed to go but so far. And no farther. Why? Because I was visiting a foreign nation. Though I was in New York City, in the state of New York, in the United States of America. And in the same way, when we as Christians move to Spring Valley, New York, or we move to Highland Mills, when we move to Queens or the Bronx or Manhattan or Staten Island or, the, or, 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 or Brooklyn, When we move to Miami, when we go down to Tennessee, when we find ourselves in Louisiana, when we cross over to California, Nevada, New Mexico, when we go up north to Washington and Oregon, when we find ourselves up in Canada or down in Mexico, when we find ourselves in Guatemala or or Honduras, when we find ourselves down in Colombia or on the islands of Puerto Rico and Cuba, when we find ourselves in Haiti, when we find ourselves in La República Dominicana, when we find ourselves in Vietnam, when we find ourselves in Norway, when we find ourselves in Afghanistan, when we find ourselves in Iran or Iraq, when we find ourselves in Nigeria, when we find ourselves anywhere on God's green earth, we establish an embassy there. And we can declare Though we are in this world, we are not of this world. We're bringing heaven to earth. We're transforming the location. We're declaring a new citizenship. That's why my brothers or my sisters, especially here in America, as our politics are getting so dirty and so entrenched, And left is moving further and further left. And right is moving further and further left. And we claim to have no middle ground. You best remember that while you might join a political party, you're not of that political party. While you may be registered as a U.S. citizen, you have a higher citizenship that you serve. I am a Christian person. 
I am an ambassador for Christ. I serve the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the living God. I serve it His will, His whims, His commands, His desire before anything else. And I do not break away from God's kingdom because I find some citizens there who have a dual citizenship with a kingdom I don't like. God's kingdom trumps all. And I follow my Lord first and foremost. Hallelujah. And so when Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, my ears perk up, my heart skips a beat. Sometimes I stand to my feet and say, yes, Lord. What is it that I'm establishing? Show me what I have entered. And he goes on to say, All of that was just by way of introduction. Let's get into the meat of this. The kingdom of heaven is like to treasure hid in a field. So the first thing we see is that the kingdom of heaven is treasure. It's something exceptionally valuable. The word here used for treasure speaks of something of exceeding great value. So this is not like he found something and, you know, it's not like, you, you know, you went to a yard sale and found something for sale for $5 that's actually worth 500 No, 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 no. He found something of exceeding great value. He found something that would transform a common everyday businessman into a billionaire captain of industry. He found something that will take a man of no influence of no notoriety, an inconspicuous man, and turn him into a a, a wielder of power, an influential man, a maker of kings, a, a destroyer of kingdoms. He found something of exceptional value. But the fascinating thing is that while the kingdom of heaven is of great and exceptional value, notice the man had to go looking for it. It was hidden in a field. And when you start to wonder why, why can't everyone around me see the glory of the cross? Why can't everyone around me see the beauty of salvation? Why do my friends think that my being saved is a negative thing? Why do people believe that Christianity is dark and negative? Why is everyone not embracing it? Why is the road so narrow? Why are there so few who find it? Because it's hidden from them. It's a spiritual kingdom. And men who are looking for physical, carnal things, cannot see the spiritual. Jesus said to Nicodemus, lest you be born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. And so it's hidden. But this man was looking, so what does that tell you? There was an awakening in him. Something had gotten into him. The Spirit of God had touched him. This is a saved man, but he's on his journey and he's looking. 
He's looking. He's looking. See, some of you, you prayed a simple prayer sometime, and then you gave up. If you prayed a prayer, and that's all your salvation experience was, I tell you, you better start questioning. You better make your calling an election sure. I'm not trying to be a Pharisee. I'm not trying to be a Sadducee. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. I'm not saying anything except what I had to learn. The fact that you came to the gate and knocked at the door, you better make sure you walk through. And if you walk through, you better make sure that you didn't stop walking once you were inside the gate, but that you kept putting one foot in front of the other foot, in front of the other foot, in front of the other foot, keeping your eyes ever on that narrow road. There's a highway to heaven. And none can walk up there but the pure of heart, the old time song used to say. And so this is a man who's seeking. And he found it hidden in a field. Notice it was not out in the open. It was not on the table of some day trader. He didn't go down to the stock exchange. And there it was. KOD, kingdom of God. I'll pledge a couple of thousand and get in. And those of you thinking that by donating a couple of dollars to a ministry here and there, you can suddenly buy your stairway to heaven, better understand. That's not how it works. So the man is looking and he's seeking and he finds the kingdom hidden in a field. And the next part almost shocked and startled me. It says, so having found this treasure, now you and I think about like, oh, well, if I found a treasure hidden in the field, I'd walk away with it. But you see, the man understands something. This is not my field. And because the field is not mine, I have no right to the treasure that I found. And so what he does, he hides it. And yet for joy, he goes and sells all that he has. That phrase is repeated in both parables. He sells everything he has. So I want to ask you before I go further, what have you refused to sell out to in order to obtain the kingdom of heaven? What are you holding back? Is it your sexuality? Is it some friends? Is it a business? Is it some pet sin? Is it an addiction? What is it? What area of your life? You see, this man found the treasure in the field, and I don't know what he was doing there. Like I said, my assumption is he's looking. He's looking. He's been invited. He's got the invitation. He's trying to find his way to heaven. And in the middle of this field, he finds this great treasure, and he hides it again. He doesn't run and say, hey, here it is, because he knows the field is not his yet. And there are some revelations that God will give you that you've got to stop posting the second you got them and spend some time in the prayer closet and spend some, some spiritual capital building up that relationship. There are some things you've got to go home and take inventory and say, God, 
What do I need to get rid of? What relationships need to go? What material possessions need to go? What habits need to go? What areas of my life need to go? What am I watching? What am I listening to that needs to go? Who am I hanging with that needs to go? What am I doing that needs to stop? Oh God, let me take inventory tonight of my life and say, Lord God, I will sell everything. To possess the treasure. No, no, no. Not the treasure. My goal is the treasure. I will sell everything to possess the field the treasure is in. See, the treasure cannot become mine unless I buy the field. And if you were with us a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus' parable of the wheat and the tares. The Lord has a kingdom, and he's sowing his seed into his kingdom, and he's building people up. And you see my brother and my sister. I hear people all the time. I don't have to join the church to go to heaven. I don't have to be around people to go to heaven. My relationship with God is personal. And all I need to do is have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's all it takes. That is not true. That is not biblical. The only thing that can save you is your submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. But Jesus said you'd be known as a Christian because of your love for those in the kingdom. In fact, if you read 1 John, you know the one everyone loves to quote, God is love, God is love, God is love. He's also the one who said that if you, if you proclaim to love God, who you cannot see, but do not love your brother who you do see, you're a liar. That same John also talked about certain things we'd have to do and certain things, certain ways that our hearts would be changed and transformed if we were in the kingdom. You see, this is what this merchant, this traveler, this person who finds the treasure in the field understood. I cannot possess the treasure unless I possess the field first. See, the kingdom of God, listen, if the kingdom of God was just about a personal relationship with Jesus, it would be so easy. Can I tell you, even with all my baggage and all my sin and all my hypocrisy and all my double standards and all my dishonesty and all my waywardness and everything that was wrong with me and my, my, my lineage steeped in spiritism and santeria and all these other things and even with all my confusion and my bordering on atheism and my playing around with Islam and my entertaining Hinduism and my entertaining Buddhism or even with all of that when I came face to face with the true Jesus when I saw for the first time God in his mercy gave me a glimpse of the glory of his kingdom of the awesomeness of the cross, of the glory and splendor of the blood that dripped down to save my life, giving my heart, my mind, my soul, my life to Jesus was the easy part. Submitting to his sanctification, 
though I stumble at times, though I resist at times, it makes all the logical sense in the world to me. And if all I had to do is love Jesus, if all I had to do was accept that my only way of getting into heaven is submission to him, if the only thing I had to do is admit that I am a vile, detestable sinner saved only by his grace and lift my hands and shout glory unto God, I love you, Jesus, and sing his hymns, salvation would be easy because he's worthy of my love and he's worthy of my submission and he's worthy of my capitulation to his desires. He is worthy that I should follow him. He is worthy that I should obey him. He is worthy that I should go bound to him. He is worthy that I should give up anything he asked me to give. He is worthy and wonderful and excellent and glorious. But I can't say that of everyone he asked me to love. And I can't say that of everyone he asked me to trust. And I can't say that even of my own self. You see, the field encompasses missions and evangelism. The field encompasses the church and Christianity. It it encompasses Sabbath day and it encompasses Sunday and it encompasses the midweek service and it encompasses the youth group and it encompasses the senior group and it encompasses loving the lost and it encompasses helping the homeless and the hopeless. It encompasses the bound and the and the hurting and the disgusted. It encompasses all of these things and all of these people. And it's hard. You see, the man did not set out to buy the field because the field looked lovely. There's not one line in there that tells me the field looked good, it was great for farming, the food, uh, the field was a great investment. This man would never have sold everything to own that field, but he saw that the treasure was within it. And some of you are wondering, but, but Pastor Pete, I'm a Christian person. I love the Lord with all my heart. But why am I so unhappy? And why does my life seem so pointless? And why does my life seem so meaningless? And why is there so little power? To whom are you given daily? To Christ. No, no, no. You should be given to Christ daily. I'm saying, into whose life are you pouring yourself? Especially those of you who are mature Christians. Come on. Who are you pouring into every day? Who are you loving sacrificially every day? Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what good is that to you? Even the publicans and the sinners do the same. The lost love those who who love them. Do you love the lost? Do you love the hurting? Do you love the homeless, the smelly, dirty, drug-addicted, alcoholic, can't-talk-straight homeless? Do you love the prostitute, the pimp? The child molester? Do you love the incarcerated, the poor, the hurting among you? Do you love the Dalits and the untouchables? Listen, India is not the only place on earth that has their Dalits and their untouchables. We may not call them that, but you know. Maybe it's a racial thing for you. Maybe you're white and you just don't like black people. Maybe you're black, you just don't like white people. 
Maybe you don't like Hispanic people or Chinese people. I don't know who it is who rubs you the wrong way. Maybe it's your loud next door neighbor. Maybe it's that son or daughter who's been wayward for so long and disgraces you and, and, and curses you to your face. And you love them, but you're tired. Maybe it's a parent who never loved you the right way and never raised you right and you're just done with them. Maybe it's a brother or sister or cousin, an aunt, an uncle. Maybe it's someone in the body who stabbed you in the back with a knife so sharp, so pointed, so powerful that that blade went through your back, through your heart, came out your chest and poured out a river of blood all over your life. And you've determined, I'll love Jesus, but I, I can't trust them again. I'll love Jesus, but I, I can't get close to them again. I'll trust Jesus. But I won't trust him to take me there again. I'll go anywhere you send me, Lord, except there. Uh-uh. This man sold everything. He gave up his rights to his home, his rights to his car, his rights to his family, his rights to his business, his rights to everything he had so that he could possess the field. His eyes were on the treasure, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think that makes you a more effective lover of people. See, when I try to love people with my love, I thank God that to a degree, especially once I got born again, God made me a loving person. But even as a loving born again person, my love is limited. If I love you for the sake of you, that will have its limits and it will run dry. But if I love you with the love of the Lord for the sake of loving the Lord, see, understand this. The most perfect loving relationship in the universe is the love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father loves the Son perfectly, and He loves the Spirit perfectly. The Spirit loves the Father and the Son perfectly. The Son loves the Father and the Spirit perfectly. And among them, there's no discord, there's no separation, there's no division. And so if I love you with the love of the Lord, but my loving you aims at loving God in you, the potential for Christ in you. Even if you're lost, I see you as saved. I see the potential of your salvation. Understand, I'm not being blasphemous here. Listen to what I'm saying. I understand the separation between the lost and the saved. I understand the separation between the world and the saints. I get that. But I'm not God. So I don't care if you're Calvinist or Armenian. I don't care about any of that. You can put all that in the trash. What I know is this. He said, go into all the world so God can sit on his high horse and be a Calvinist and say, this is the one who will be saved and this is the one who will go to hell. I can't say that. I can't know. So even the hell-bound lost sinner, I need to look at with the potential of being saved and see that this, though wayward, though lost, though vile, though nasty, though bound, though hurtful, though hurting, though ugly, could very possibly be my brother or my sister. Christ could very possibly live in them one day. And because I don't know, then I love the Lord, or the potential for the Lord in them with the love of the Lord that has been deposited in me. And then my love is perfect. You see, I sell out everything I have. 
I've taken risks in my life for people. And I thank God some of them have paid off. I have wonderful, wonderful spiritual children. I'm always afraid to name them because I know I'm going to forget the list is long. There are some who are a little nearer and a little dearer because of geography and other situations. There's some who time has allowed to continue to be a little more part of my life, and so I can name some of those. But God is constantly bringing new ones. And I have at times risked so much, and by the way, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm not wonderful. To be honest, uh, I, I battle with cowardice, but because no coward will be allowed into the kingdom of heaven, I push that aside and I become bold as a lion in Christ. And so I love what reckless abandon, not because I'm so loving, but because Christ in me already gave all. What more? We used to sing that song. What more shall he do? What more shall he do? He laid the foundation and he opened up a way. Now tell me what more shall he do? And so because he laid that foundation, because he opened that way, because he was so perfect, because he already gave his life and his blood at the cross, there's nothing more he could do. So there's no risk. There's no limit. There's nothing in his love that makes him afraid. He gives everything because he knows there's nothing more to risk. He's already risked everything for you and for me. He's already given everything he ever could. And so when we think of the kingdom of heaven, we give everything we are. We risk everything we've ever had. We put our lives, we put our families, we put our homes, we put our careers, we put our reputations on the line in the field. To own the field, what is the field? The field is missions, the field is evangelism, the field is deliverance, the field is the church, the field is day-to-day -day loving the loveless, the unlovable, and the ugly. And we do this every day. We do this every day. We do this Every day to own the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. See, at the end, yes, my goal is I want to see Jesus. My goal is I want to hear, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. I want to hear, Lord, you are awesome. I want, I want to hear the Lord say, welcome, thou good and faithful servant. Now enter into thy rest. I want to hear these things. This is my goal. But I know that in order to hear that, what I need is to endure then on this side of eternity. Then I need to be given. Then I need to love. Then I need to hope. Then I need to help. Then I need to sacrifice. Then I need to shed myself. I need to let the love of God be shed abroad in my heart. So that I can live to hear those words. You see, I, I don't I, I, I don't walk the narrow road. I don't 
I don't walk the narrow road. I, I don't I don't enter into distress. I don't begin to fall apart. I don't find my way to Jesus by loving Jesus per se. I find my way to Jesus by loving him through those around me. I buy the field. I buy the field. He then goes on to say that the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. And so there's a merchant who deals in pearls. And one day, he finds a pearl of such exceeding value. He finds, if you will allow me to call it this, he finds not a pearl. He finds the pearl. He finds the one. The pearl whose value is above the value of all others. He, he finds a pearl of exceeding value. And having found this pearl, it says, he sells all that he had and he buys it. Now, how is this different? You see, brothers and sisters, some of you have heard the phrase, you know, pearls of wisdom. Every time you open the Bible, every time you attend Church Without Walls, every time you go to a conference, you receive more light, you receive more revelation. Every time you spend time in the presence of God, you find these new pearls. And each pearl is of exquisite value beyond the last. But the only way to know if you recognize the value of the pearls to see what you do with it. See, this man had been searching for pearls. That's what he does. That's what his life's work is. Yet when he found this pearl, two things happened. Maybe three. Number one. He immediately went out and sold everything he has. I don't want to re-preach that. We just went through that. But again, you have to ask, what am I holding back? What is the area I'm not willing to give? Because this man was willing to give everything. He was willing to give everything. And then he goes and he buys it. He takes Possession of the pearl. And so you can tell me for hours how wonderful God is, how great God is, how great the kingdom is, how glorious it looks. That's, that's all wonderful. Your words do not tell me whether you see the value of the kingdom of God, of the sacrifice of Jesus. I will know what you truly think of him by what you did with the revelation you received. Did it change your life? 
Did you sell out everything and take possession of it? Don't tell me, oh, such and such is my favorite verse. Do you live that verse? Because if there's not evidence of that life in your verse, then you never of that verse in your life, then you never took possession of it. And if you did not do what was required to possess it, then you did not see its value as being as glorious as you thought. Because like I said, brothers and sisters, if you're walking around and went to, you know, you were going to a couple of yard sales. And you went up to one of the yard sales and you saw something there that you knew. No one else knew. Even the owner knew. Like, they knew this was valuable. They did not know how much. Maybe it's an original copy. One of the original copies of the U.S. Constitution. An original copy of the Declaration of Independence. Something like that. Something like that is worth billions. Now, the man knew it was valuable, but didn't know how valuable, and so he's selling it for, say, more money than you have. Several thousand, maybe $100,000. Maybe you could get it, but you'd have to mortgage your house. Maybe you could get it, but you'd have to sell your car, mortgage your house. You'd have to do everything. Don't tell me you saw the value in it, but you wouldn't do that. Listen, if I happened upon a yard sale and found... What I knew to be, not I thought might be, I knew for a fact was, original copy of the car, I would, I would give that man the deed to my house in a second, sell my car, quit my job, do everything I need to do to possess that. Because I know if I own that, I don't ever have to work again. If I own that, I'm set financially for life. When you hear the truth of God's kingdom, do you understand its value? Or do you shout hallelujah and then push it aside and go on to talk about all the dribble of the world and go back to political parties and affiliations? And Would you sell out everything? Would you sell out everything? You see, my brother and my sister, at the end of the day, both of these parables are telling us one thing in common about the kingdom of God. Actually, several things. Number one, the kingdom of God is, is of exceeding value beyond anything you will ever find on this side of eternity. Number two, stop believing the lie that salvation is cheap. Salvation may be offered to you freely, but it costs you everything you have to possess it. It will cost you friendships. It will cost you elements of your culture, it will cost you family, it will cost you. And if you're holding back anything, if there's anything that you say, well, I won't pay that to enter in, then you will not enter in. But if you see its value, you know that possessing that, doing whatever it takes, Buying a field and taking care of a field you never cared for before. Some of you wonder, why is it I suddenly have such a love for drug addicts or such a love for abused children or such a love for these people or those people? I never felt that before. Because you saw the value of the kingdom of heaven and knew 
that unless you change your value system, unless you change your culture, unless you change your way of seeing the world, unless you change and sell out everything, you'd never possess it. And so you decided, I'm going to take hold of that kingdom no matter what it costs me. And so again, I go back to my original question as I close. What have you not sold out in order to possess the kingdom? What are you still holding back? What is your area of resistance? Is there unforgiveness in your heart? Is there rejection? Is there a group of people or a particular individual you just say, I can't forgive, I won't ever go near them, I will not love them again? What are you not willing to do for Jesus? What are you not willing to change or give up? Whatever's holding you back from entering the kingdom of heaven now will keep you out of the kingdom at your death. Don't play games with God. Let us tonight make our calling and our election sure. Make it complete and make it real by giving everything to Jesus. So while I want to go to prayer, I want to give you a moment. I want to give you a moment to meditate. I want to give you a moment to think. I want to give you a moment to evaluate your life. So we're going to listen to a song for a moment. And I want you to take inventory of your life. If there's any area where you're holding back, We're going to pray in a moment. I want you to repent of withholding something from the Lord. And I want us to make a decision tonight that we will give everything for His glory, everything to possess the life that He has died to purchase for us. Go ahead and take inventory. We'll pray in a few minutes. How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing love The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the Chosen One Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon a cross My sin upon his shoulder Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there 
Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished I will not boast in anything No gifts no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give This I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away Hallelujah as wounds which mother the chosen one. Let's pray. Father, you see before you your sons and your daughters. You see these, Lord, who have come. They desire, Lord, to be yours, wholly, completely. Father, tonight by your grace we have found not just the treasure, but the field that kept it hidden. We couldn't see the treasure because, Lord, we were looking at the field and going, not that. Unaware that the treasure we sought was in the thing we were rejecting. Tonight, Lord, by your grace, we have seen this tiny little pearl. But it's perfect. Its value is immense. We must possess your truth. More correctly, Lord, we must be possessed by your truth. And we can't do that, Lord, in our own strength. We don't know how to do it. We admit tonight, Lord God, that we have sinned against you in not possessing the field, in not possessing the pearl, in not possessing the life to the fullness that we should. Help us, Lord. Each one of us praying tonight, we know our weaknesses. We know our stumblings. We know our area of withholding. We know, Lord God, that area where we cry daily that you would liberate us and yet nightly we run back to it. Like a dog to his vomit. Only to weep and wail over our sin again. Father, tonight we turn over to you. Even our sinfulness. Even our rejections. Even our pain. And we say, Holy Father, have your way in us. Do what you must in us. Transform us 
We pray, O God, in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for these, your people. I ask you to bless them, guide them, change them, transform them, renew them, O God, so that we might truly be a people given to the Lord Jesus Christ in every way. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Brothers, sisters, friends, we've, we've almost come to a conclusion tonight. I do want to remind you, though, the Lord's word says, in fact, it was Paul who wrote, reflecting on the Old Testament commandment that you should not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. And he said that if we have sown spiritual seed, if we have sown spiritual food among you, it is right that we should reap from your material benefits. Brothers and sisters, would you consider donating to KQC Ministries tonight? Would you consider giving a gift of any size? You can do that three ways. You can go to our website, kqcministries.org, and you can click on the Donate Now tab. You can use PayPal, Christel, Pop Money, Quick Pay, using our email address, kqcministries at gmail.com, or you can use our physical address, KQC Ministries, care of Peter Torres, 97 Jefferson Street, Highland Mills, New York, 10930. Would you give now? Thank you for those who choose to give. Father, please bless the gifts that this ministry receives. Multiply them for the advance of your kingdom and give us wisdom in their use so that we do not squander them, Lord. Father, thank you. Now, brothers, sisters, we do have a live call in line. I don't want to stay on much longer. I feel compelled to end very soon. But I do feel that there may be someone out there who has a unique prayer request. And they need prayer now. They need it tonight. If that's you, you can call 646-721-9917. The call lines are open, but we won't wait long. So please, do it now. I'm going to go back and play one of those songs we just... Well, wait. Actually, no. Let's do this. Yeah, going to do one of these old-time songs. Let's go there. I like this. I like this one. Let's go to worship for a little while, and then we'll see if no one calls. We'll just end our service. But if someone does need, if you're that person, and you need that prayer, well, come on and join us. Come on and call then.
Hallelujah. Well, we don't seem to have any callers. I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight. I want to pray for you, Father. Bless our listeners. Lord, I declare them tonight by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in accordance with your word. I declare them to be the head and not the tail. Above always, not beneath. Amen, but now. So, Father, I ask you to bless them, coming in, going out, everywhere they go. Keep them, watch over them. Bless them to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers, sisters, friends, have a great week in Jesus Christ. Stay the course. Don't forget, those of you in the U.S., set those clocks ahead before you go to bed tonight. We love you. Jesus loves you. See you on the other side. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.